We're going to take our Bibles now and turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is in the Old, Old Testament, not very far away from Psalms and Proverbs, uh, if you know where that is, uh, just a little bit to the right. And if you don't know where that is, that's okay. Just check the table of contents in your Bible or your Bible app at the front, or you can simply follow along. If all else fails, you can follow along on the screens on the monitors at the front. Isaiah's prophecy is all about God, who has a surprising plan of grace and glory for his rebellious world, uh, yea, even for the whole world. Um, at a time in ancient Israel when, when the spiritual atmosphere was at its darkest and its gloomiest, Isaiah bursts onto the scene with a, a message of hope and encouragement. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, this is what he says, speaking prophetically. He said, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, we know this chapter, this passage is a prophetic utterance about the coming of Mashiach, of Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah really is giving the people of Israel something to look forward to at this point. Of course, he's pointing to Jesus because Jesus and his salvation would become a light for the nations. New Testament picks up that theme given to us in Isaiah chapter 9. And then under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit, Isaiah pens these unforgettable verses in verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, government and of peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And with just that one word, Isaiah underscores the fact that he's not talking about a, a current king or the next king of Israel. He's talking about the one who would be on his throne forever. He's obviously talking about Jesus. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this is really a, a tremendous message of hope in a time when things were dark and dreary in the nation of Israel. I think it might have the same impact today because these days are a bit dark and dreary spiritually, don't you think? little girl from the city spent Christmas vacation on her grandfather's farm. She was interested in everything that had to do with the farm, but especially she was fascinated by his cow. One late afternoon, she accompanied her grandfather to the barn and then stood by shivering while her grandfather started to milk the cow by hand. Finally, she tapped him on the shoulder and said through her chattering teeth, Grandpa, you know, if you put antifreeze in her radiator, you wouldn't have to drain her faucets every night. That's pretty good advice for a, a city girl, I think. Well, not quite a long time ago, the, the, the prophet Isaiah spoke about the coming of Messiah, and he too promised that this 
counselor who, who was coming would be a very wise counselor. He would be, in fact, a wonder-filled counselor. And that's another way to, uh, to translate that, that, that phrase. Wonder-filled counselor. So let's read Isaiah 9, 6 out loud together, shall we, in this first Advent uh, Sunday. Isaiah 9, 9, 6 together. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the prophet Isaiah speaks about his birth. The government of the world would be upon the shoulders of this Messiah. He will be seen as the king of the universe, not just the king of Israel. And his throne would not be for 30 or 40 or 50 years, but his throne would last forever. And the people who walk in darkness will see this great light, Isaiah said, and they will trust in him and they will follow him and their lives will never be the same. They'll be changed. So this Messiah, this Savior, would actually carry quite a few different names and different titles uh, in his lifetime. For example, he's called the Alpha and Omega. He's called the Bread of Life. He's called the Chief Cornerstone. He's called the Desire of Ages. He's called Emmanuel. He's called Forgiver of Sin. He's called the Great I Am. He's called the Holy One of Israel. And I could fill up a whole alphabet. We could go letter by letter, and I could give you a different name for Jesus for every letter of the alphabet. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Man of Sorrows. He would be called the Son of God, the Son of David. He would be called the Son of Righteousness. And I could keep going and going and going. But I think you get the idea. Jesus has more than one title, one designation, and one role. He's got so many different titles. And here, here Isaiah is in chapter 9, giving us this astonishing prophecy. And he says, for unto us, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor. Why this name? Why, why would they... Give him the designation of wonderful counselor. As far as we know, he took no counseling courses. He didn't earn a counseling degree. He, he didn't attend Bible college or university or seminary. He, he doesn't have membership in the Professional Counselors Association of Palestine. And yet they call him the wonderful counselor. For good reason. First of all, the counselor's outcomes are wonderful. If you were going to build a new house, you, you would need to find a general contractor, right? You, you wouldn't settle for just any building contractor who had a shingle out. You, you would look for the very best contractor you could find or afford, right? Be, because you're concerned about the outcome. You're concerned about the results You're concerned about the quality of his work. If you had to undergo a delicate operation, and in our medical system, if you were able 
to, to select the surgeon to do the operation, you would select her on the basis of her work. You would, you would check out her results, her outcomes, her reputation, and then you'd make an appointment. So, so whether you need a builder or a surgeon or a mechanic or a counselor, you're, you're concerned about outcomes. You're concerned about the results. You want the very best results that you can get. And then when you're, when you're sure that this is the best person, the best professional you could find, then you make an appointment. And the Bible tells us, Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that this counselor, whose name is Jesus, is not just any ordinary counselor. He is a wonder-filled counselor. He's a wonder-working counselor who can make changes in your life like nobody else can. The Bible tells us that the wonderful counselor is supernaturally helpful to us and the outcomes are supernatural. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. That's pretty good, isn't it? And 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all all unrighteousness. That's a good outcome. And then Hebrews 7.25. Would you read this one with me also? He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Folks, you would be hard-pressed to find a counselor with better outcomes than that. I mean, this is, this is <laughs> something to behold. This is 10 out of 10. This is 100 out of 100. He's scoring perfect results. Counseling professionals, of course, can add something to our lives. They can provide a good service to individuals, uh, couples perhaps who are struggling in their marriage, uh, families. But, but only Jesus can forgive our sin. And only Jesus can make the permanent changes in our lives that we need so desperately. He's a counselor full of wonder. His outcomes are really off the charts. And, and, and the more time you spend with him, the more you realize that the counselor's instruction is wonderful. His outcomes are spectacular because his instruction is phenomenal. Psalm 32.8, God says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. I mean, God says, I will instruct you. I will, I will teach you. I will train you. I will coach you. I will prepare for you what's ahead. So just follow me. I mean, how can you resist a, a, an offer like that? <laughs> That's fantastic. It's wonderful. There's a fable about an old dog that fell into a farmer's well. The farmer was very sympathetic, was a nice old dog, but he just decided that, that um, neither the dog nor the well was worth the trouble. So he would just bury the dog in the well and be done with it. So he started to shovel, and he put a couple shovelfuls of dirt in the hole, and the dog just went crazy, started barking and yelping. And... But the farmer continued shoveling, just one shovelful after the other, but every time the, the dirt hit the dog's back, 
he would shake it off and step up. Another shovel full of dirt, just shake it off and step up. So that's what he did. He kept doing the entire time. The the old farmer thought he was filling in the well. The dog was just shaking off and stepping up. So, you know, when you get dumped on, folks, what you need to do is, say it with me, shake it off and step up. When you get discouraged because things aren't going the way you expect them to go, you need to When automotive workers, thanks to GM closing five plants, get really worried about their future, plastic mold injection, brake manufacturing, whatever your plant makes, you need to... Wives, when your husband really gets into the game, and he doesn't hear you when you call him to... Maybe you should... Amen. Preacher, preach it. Preach it. Husbands, your turn now. When your wife gets upset because you forgot to take the garbage out again, you need to... You were ahead of me. Just shut up and take the garbage out. (laughs) and I always do that (laughs) Jesus is called the wonderful counselor because his 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 instruction is amazing and it leads to outcomes that that can't be questioned his advice his counseling his teaching can lead us to an abundant life that is full of love and hope and joy and peace so don't give in to panic, and don't give in to bitterness, and don't give in to self-pity. Don't get buried in all that stuff. Shake it off, be obedient, and step up. The counselor's compassion is also wonderful. In the book of Hebrews, the author describes the ministry and character of Jesus in words like this. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest... Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Here it is. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And find grace to help in a time of need. I love that passage. Because it confirms and it affirms the fact that Jesus Christ is sympathetic. He's, he's, just, he's full of compassion for his people. He's able to sympathize with every weakness that I have. And, and that's a lot. He's able to sympathize. He has compassion for me and for you. And and, and the added added bonus is that he has faced every temptation that we're ever going to face. Every category of temptation, he's faced it, yet without sin. So we know we can go to him. We know he understands because he's been there. He's been there ahead of us. He's our pioneer. He understands. 
And, and what does Matthew 9, 36 say? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I can't even tell you how many times I feel like that in a month. Helpless, weak, needy, and he is there. He promises to be with us. And Jesus had compassion on them. You know, when, when I need to talk to a counselor, and, and there have been several points in my, my, my life, even my ministry life, where I've needed to talk to a counselor, I, I want to talk to somebody who's, who's, who's understanding, who's kind-hearted, somebody who's, who's sympathetic and compassionate. Not somebody who's going to sit on the other side of the desk and tell me to suck it up, buttercup. That's where we may end up, but I'd like a little understanding along the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ is a compassionate, understanding, kind-hearted, wonder-working counselor. His outcomes are wonderful. His instruction is wonderful. His compassion is wonderful. And last but not least, the counselor's love is wonderful. And you were wondering when I was going to get there, right? The love of Jesus Christ... Psalm 31, 21, praise the Lord for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. I wish I could say that my love for my wife, for my family was completely and totally unfailing. I can't. Jesus really is the only one who can claim unfailing love for his people. And Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Because of his great love. Now, you, you may have friends who give good advice. Uh, you may know of counselors who have helped numerous people. But none of them lo love you like Jesus loves you. He is the only one who can love you with unfailing love, the only one with great love. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place. He went to the cross. When we deserved to die, the penalty was ours to pay. He paid it for us. The message of Christmas is not just about the cradle, not just about the manger. It's about the cross. You, you can't have Christmas without the cross. The cross is what gives meaning to the cradle. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This wonderful counselor, Jesus, loves you and me so much that he went to the cross and gave his life to pay the penalty for our sins. He suffered and died there because he loves us. That's what motivated him. The love of God is what motivated him to do what he did. And folks, the best is yet to come. You think this is good. Let's just wait. The best is yet to come. You probably heard the story about the woman who was diagnosed with cancer. She was given three months to live by her doctor. And so she's, you know, in the, in the mix of trying to get her head around that and and get everything ready that she wanted to get ready, she called her pastor to come over and visit with her so that she could give him a, a list of all of her last wishes, her final wishes. She told him all the songs that she wanted to have sung. 
She gave him a list of her favorite scriptures. She said she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. And she, she had a certain outfit that she had in mind uh, also for her funeral service. So they talked for a while longer. And finally, the pastor offered to pray for her before he left. Oh, and there's one more thing, she said. I forgot to tell you. Um, there's one more thing, and it's very important. She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor looked at her and said, you want to be buried with a fork in your right hand? She said, yes. In all my years of church events and going to, to church potlucks, anytime they, they cleared the table for the main course, somebody would inevitably say, keep your fork. And she said, that was always the, my favorite part of the meal because I knew that there was something spectacular ahead of me, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie. And so when I'm buried, I want you to make sure that I've got a fork in my right hand. And so when people say to you, hey, what's with the fork? I want you to tell them the best is yet to come. Because it is. It's true, isn't it? The best is yet to come. Christmas is about the babe in the manger, this wonderful counselor who is given unto us, a son is given. Unto us, this child was born. Given for us. He loves us. The best is yet to come, all because of Christmas. So this is kind of the advent in, in, in many ways. It's the beginning of the end. It's the coming of Jesus so he can come again and, and bring all of this into play. Yeah, the tariffs are still in place. They signed the deal, but our prime minister glossed over the tariffs for aluminum and steel. So they're still in place. And yeah, GM, it looks like they're closing five plants. The, the migrant caravan is still advancing. The oil in Alberta is not flowing yet. And for the life of them, the Red Wings cannot win a game. But listen, 2 Peter 3.13, we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Jesus is coming again. The wonderful counselor is determined to show us the way, the truth, and the abundant life, if we're willing to listen. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. And because he is the delightful, magnificent, marvelous, perfect counselor, you can trust him. You can come to him today and just put all of your faith and confidence and trust in him because he is a wonder-working counselor, the best one we've got. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this child that was given unto us. And born unto us, this Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, the anointed one. He's the Savior, the King, our wonderful counselor. Lord, we, we just long for that day when our hearts will, be, will not even be tempted to share uh, adoration and affection with anyone else but you. Uh, Lord Jesus, you offer hope when our, hopes, our, our hearts have, have been hopelessly lost along the way, and, and we run to you again today. You are the one that we praise, Lord Jesus. 
And so we boldly ask for your measureless grace. We, we, we ask for multiplied mercies and for your steadfast love to more powerfully be at work in our lives and in our church in the days ahead. Lord, it's, it's the only way that we can magnify the wonderful counselor. It's the only way that others will be drawn to the Savior and find the mercy and grace they need in a time of trouble. And so we pray that you would fill us to overflowing with the love of Jesus Christ during this Christmas season. And we pray this all in his powerful name. Amen.